أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ربي شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقد تم لساني فقالي السلام everybody I'm so sorry for being late we're literally we're, this is a record 11 minutes late I hate starting late if it was up to me I would start at exactly 11.30 and no one's here at 11.30 so I would just talk to myself but I don't think we're there yet we haven't matured there but soon I will start talking to myself 11.30 inshallah I'll just talk to my wife she'll be sitting here like I say today we're doing this and then we'll greet everyone one by one as they come in. But for now, today was my bad because of technical difficulties, but anyway. All right, again, I'll say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa yasirli amri wa ahlu luqdatan min lisani fkawkali. All right, quick recap of last week. I'd like to remind you, or was it last week? It was last week, right? Wow, it was a long week. Quick leak, recap of last session now. I'll use the word session again. Uh, what word did we talk about last session? Rab, we talked about the word Rab. Shout out some things you remember about the word Rab. Not the Bernays stuff, the word Rab, the actual word itself. What do you remember from, about that word? Just shout them out. No need to raise your hand. Master. Yeah, overall, the meaning is master, which makes us what? Slave. So there's an expectation when Allah uses this word over and over and over and over again. What other things do you remember? What are the characteristics of a Rab? If you remember those five characteristics, what is it? Provider. Provider. Yeah, that's definitely one of them. Giver of gifts, yeah, they kind of, yep. They, yeah, owner, like, you know, if I, I can be the rub of my book because I own this thing, if I don't want it, throw it away because I'm the rub. It can't say anything, can it? And that's the same relationship with us and Allah actually, is that Allah can do what He wants with this property. We are His stuff, yeah? However, again, that's not to say that He is a cruel rub at all because what is infused, I told you, I made it very clear, what is infused in the word rub almost necessarily when he uses this word in Quran, it has an undertone of what? Love. love. Deep love, connection, affection. You understand? So that's stuffed in the word. However, last week we didn't talk so much about Allah as Rabb. We talked about when other people try to be your Rabb, when other people try to take advantage of you, even on a societal level. Who was the main guy we talked about last week? Not Freud, his nephew. Who was his name? Bernays. Did anyone actually watch the documentary after I sent it? You won't hurt my feelings if it's no. I did. You did? Oh, you did. What do you think? What do you think of it? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting, Michelle. It really changes the way you think of things. I highly recommend. Obviously, I'm never going to give you hard homework or anything. I just like to give you things that I benefited from. So if you ever have time, I recommend going back and listening to those. I can resend them too. But anyway, it's something that I thought about between last week and this week because I ended up. A lot of guys walked up to me and started talking about this, and my wife too talked about it as well. And something kind of hit me, I want to I wanna do a parallel really quick before we go on to today's part, inshallah, okay? So here, does this thing have a, like a pointer? Oh, look, it does. It's a red button right here. Look, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, so look, on the left here, this is the way that we do things. This is the way that we believe in things. We believe that Allah is the ultimate authority. He sends down revelation. What's revelation? the Quran and past prophets that might be the Injil of Isa it might be the Talmud of Musa or not Talmud sorry the Torah Talmud that's a whole different story Torah of Musa it might be the Zabur of Dawud many messengers got a book yes we don't know all of them but we know they were sent down Quran is the last revelation well we're not going to get into that anyway so God sends down revelation to messengers messengers are the example for who? all of humanity very simple setup very simple setup. Of course, anyone that takes a rub other than Allah, or anyone that claims to be a rub other than Allah, like for example, Bernays really tried to do that. 
in modern history in the past hundred years tried to be a Rabb, really, if you want to summarize it in one word. Fir'aun literally said, Ana Rabbukum al-Ala to people. When things got really bad politically, he said, I am your ultimate Rabb. Like when politically he was getting more and more weak, he ended up actually taking that lordship which I, someday I really hope to talk about Fir'aun actually is really interesting psychology behind even those wordings is actually very strange the way that he said that. But people try to claim the same lordship as Allah. They try to claim that same masterhood, the same rububiyya as we say in Arabi, the same rububiyya is being claimed by other people. And I want you to notice something. Bernays literally, his daughter in, that, in the documentary, I didn't show you this clip, I should have, but she literally said, in the, the language of the documentary guys, I'm not changing the language to make it sound more religious. I wanna make it very clear. The way these people spoke had a lot of religious undertone. They literally said things, not my words, I swear to you, not my words, theirs. They need to be guided from above. Does that sound at all familiar? That's weird. They set up a class called the elite, the elite of society. Who's the elite of society, modern day? Politicians, the, the super mega rich, the billionaires, celebrities are, are, are elites. You see how like they, they, they really shove celebrities in our face as like the, the most moral, up, morally upright people, the most free, liberated people, men and women and that they have to offer us, right? If you think about it, it's as if he tried to set up the same exact thing, but swapping out with different characters. He swapped out Allah for himself. He knows better. There was even language in there, if you listen to the documentary, again, I recommend it. There was even language in there that people don't know what they want. People can't figure it out on their own. They're too stupid. Literally his words, not mine. They're too stupid. We need to give them what's right, even if they don't agree with it. I mean, what is that other than calling yourself an ultimate authority, Ani? And then he sends down the way of life that he selects for people. Remember the Guatemala incident? He's like, you don't know that this is good for you, but I will convince you anyway. That attitude? He gives the elites of society as an example for people, and that gets down to humanity. I just thought it's so interesting that they reject the whole premise of Allah, yet they copy almost exactly. It's like, you know that meme of like, can I copy your homework? Yeah, but make it look a little different so they can't tell. It's literally, this is the meme. Just make it look a little different, but it's the same setup. They try to do the same thing, subhanAllah. Just interesting thoughts I had since last week I wanted to share with you. But moving on, we want to talk today and we really got to, I'm going to, alhamdulillah, we didn't need that much time anyway, but we want to get started. So the, the kind of theme we've been going with the past, this is our sixth session actually of this, but it's believing in the Quran. We started off, I want to give you a bit of a timeline because we're going to really continue. I want this to be kind of a logical progression. We started talking, uh, talking about the miracle of the Quran. We talked about structure, because an impact. If you missed all of that, it's all on YouTube. Just search my name and you'll find it. Or just look at the whatever Orland YouTube page or whatever it's called channel. Then we talked about God as Rabb. Today, I told you we're talking about Ramadan, but it's kind of been being sneaky. And then we're going to actually go from now on. I'm going to present this at the end of this too. From now on, this is going to be a lot more practical. This is not just going to be concept of Quran as a miracle or concept of Rabb. From now on, starting literally the next session, which I forgot what day it was. I think it's the 24th. I think the next time is the 24th. I have you. The next session that we have from here on out, I'm going to give you the passage we're going to talk about ahead of time. Ask you to memorize it so that when you sit with me, you learn it. And that way it really hits. 
you know, and we're going to talk about this a lot today. But if you ever wonder, like I'm in Salah and the person next to me is crying and I'm not crying, and I don't understand why, this could be a big reason why. Like you, maybe even you read, maybe you don't, but maybe you do. But even if you do, do you get what you're saying? And that's kind of what I'm going to do is pick passages that affected my life in a major way. And I want to share them with you. And that way you walk away knowing, memorizing something, you have it in your heart. You have it like a library of Quran in your heart. Like you pick up Asid whenever you need it, pick up Fatah whenever you need it. And you know exactly what's being said. And you think about it for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life. So that's what it's going to look like. Today, I didn't ask you to memorize anything, but we're going to talk about that concept a little bit more. To introduce it though, today we're going to be talking about so again, Bismillah, we're talking about this the Ramadan today. Ramadan according to Allah, according directly from the, the, the words of Quran, what is Ramadan all about? That's what we're talking about today, okay? This is really funny to me. This conversation is hilarious. Let me start with this. It's just, again, I think it's funny. Well, I think it's actually kind of funny. How many, Ramadan's a big deal, yes? Ramadan's a big deal. We can all agree. It's one of the five pillars. If you don't do Ramadan, there's a lot of really crazy consequences. Uh, you know, I've learned before, for example, that like if you miss, if you intentionally miss a, f- a day of fasting Ramadan, there is no making it up. You missed out. That's it. There is no making up a Ramadan day without no excuse. Of course, you could be sick, you could be traveling, that's an excuse. You miss one with no excuse, that's a whole other level of stuff, yeah? It's a big deal. Ramadan is like ship ship level of like you ate early, your mom threw something at you. You knew ship ship came out when it was extremely religiously significant. Yeah, so that's a good measuring stick. Very significant for us Ramadan, yeah? How many times do you think the word Ramadan is repeated in the book? Just guess. Because it's a big deal. So how many times do you think it's reinforced in the book that it's a big deal? Numbers, numbers. Five times. One, 28 times, 28 times, okay. This is very specific, 28. Two, Two. it's one time. You would think the super significant month that we put literally our bodies to the side. I hate that you knew it, but good job. That we put literally our, the, the needs, the very basic needs of our body, yeah? We put aside drink, food, intimacy. We put aside almost, er- and some other stuff too. We put it all to the side and we just worship Allah. We basically, we starve the body for a month, really. Yeah. You would think that that would be talked about over. Make sure you do this. Don't forget No drinking, no water, not even water. Like the the follow-up non-Muslim question, not even water, not even water, not even water. It's only talked about once in the book, which is super cool to think about because it's literally, it's one ayah. It's kind of a passage, actually, a bunch of ayahs, but I'm only going to talk about one today, the one that actually references the word. But this ayah makes it extremely clear what Ramadan's about then, right? This is the, the psychology I'm coming at this. If Ramadan's only talked about one time, then the importance of the month, the definition of the month, the purpose of the month is going to be super clear because it's only talked about how many times? One time. You know what's hilarious about this? The getting to the funny part. If you ask an average Muslim, what's the purpose of Ramadan? Name some things they point out, like fasting, number one feeling as if you're poor, we're feeling like, the, like feeling with the, having empathy is another one, giving charity, name some other things, fried food, sorry, fried food, what else? Tarawiyah obviously is a big deal, is that the one you're gonna say? What is it? Bad habits. Yeah, breaking bad habits, kind of, you know, that myth of like 30 days is how, you need, how many days you need to break a habit, it's actually 60 days, sorry, it's not 30. 
average 66 days. I checked before this, <laughs> 66, sorry, that's bad news, but that's what it is, yeah? You, na- you get all this list of things that Muslims say, this is what Ramadan's about. When they talk to their kids, non-Muslims, whatever, people that don't know, they say this is what it's about. None of it's in this ayah. Really weird, right? It's like Allah and the believers don't agree. <laughs> like believers nowadays. We don't agree what the purpose of Ramadan is. So what I wanna do, and, and by the way, look, you're gonna probably hear like five lectures of Ramadan before, it's, it's a month away, yeah? You're gonna hear like five or six different lectures, and that's fine. I assure you they're gonna do a lot but much better job than me, I assure you. But what I wanna do is at least like, let's talk about the ayah, let Allah speak for himself what Ramadan's about. You get what we're doing? Let him speak for him, let the Quran speak for itself. What is the purpose of Ramadan? You ready for this? It's, it's, I think it's beautiful. So we're gonna talk about it, I'm gonna go. This is the ayah itself. It's a bit of a chonker, it's a big one. Yeah, it's a couple of lines. We're gonna, br- I'm not gonna talk about the whole thing in a lot of detail. We're gonna talk about the majority of it and kind of take the, the, the philosophy of this ayah, if you will, and try to apply it for this upcoming month. What we're doing right now, try your best to put your brain in this mode. I'm trying to prepare you to consider based on what Allah says Ramadan is about, what my Rabb says Ramadan is about, am I go- am I having- do I have the right plans? Are my plans for the month aligned with Allah's plans for me for the month. You understand the problem? That's what I need all of us to consider while, we're, while I'm talking about this, okay? Now, it starts off with the purpose. So it starts Shahru Ramadan, clearly starts, the, the ayah starts Shahru Ramadan. Allah's about to define, what is the month of Ramadan? Shahru Ramadan, alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. The month of, of Ramadan is when Quran came down. That's your purpose. That's what Ramadan is. Fasting wasn't even mentioned yet. Fasting comes later, by the way. Fasting actually, by the way, comes much later. <laughs> later than you think. Later than you would think. You would think, Shahru Ramadan alladhi tasumuna fihi. Ramadan is the month that you fast in. That's literally been delayed. The thing that you and I know Ramadan for isn't the first thing being mentioned. It's actually like the fifth thing being mentioned. Even though, don't get me wrong, that is the thing that you do. I'm not, let's not mince words. Yeah, that's the thing that you do. There's not an excuse. But the first thing Ramadan about, is about is what? Quran. This is the month of Quran. This is the month of Quran. You know what's interesting about this? You know when Musa salam, went up to the mountain and he received revelation? Yeah? He secluded himself. He was traveling. He had no, he couldn't eat. He couldn't drink. Actually, you know, the 40 days that he spent up on the mountain, he was fasting. The Prophet Muhammad when he went up to Ghar Hira, you know what he was doing? He was fasting. It's as if you have to neglect a part of your body to allow Quran revelation to come into you. That's, the, that's where fasting comes in, by the way. You know, the, one of the most beautiful ways, and I'm getting ahead of myself with the fasting part. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we have to make this very clear. There are two parts of you, of every human being. We talked about this when we talked about fitrah, yeah? But there are basically two ingredients to every human being. What are the two ingredients? Number one, the body. And number two, the ruh, the soul. The two ingredients, yeah? You could even argue Freud, remember Freud was like, oh, all human beings are basically just animals. Uh, Yeah, kind of, actually, kind of. If you ignore the ruh part, you're absolutely right. If you don't believe in the ruh, I can see why you drew that conclusion. But we don't stop there as believers. We know that Allah put this unseen thing in us, the ruh, 
that drives so much of what we are. Did you know that even in modern psychology, they don't have a definition. You can Google this. There is no, and there never has been. There has never been and probably never will be an agreed upon definition of a personality. Did you know that? You might search it up in dictionary and you'll get a bunch of different opinions, but there is no psychological agreed upon opinion on what is a per- what is it? Where does it come from? There's no agreed upon. I'm convinced it must have something to do with the ruh then. If we can't pinpoint it, that must mean it's the unseen. People try to look at the brain. They try to look at cells in the body to figure out what's a personality. They look at habits. They look at the way that you speak. They look at the way that you dress, but it's something deeper. What makes you, you is not the jasad. It's the ruh that must be where it comes from. Now, what are these two ingredients made out of? Because they're made out of stuff. What's the body made out of that we know? It's made of dirt. Allah says, I made this body from dirt. I made the human being from dirt. And notice, the body gets nourishment from things that also come from dirt. The food that you eat is grown out of the ground. So the way to keep this part of you alive is you eat things that come out of the thing that it's made of. You understand? This body's made of dirt, you eat things that come out of the ground. You see the connection? This other side though, the ruh, what's that made out of? It's not dirt. What's it made out of? Let me just poke at you. Is this because you don't know or because you don't want to answer? Who knows the answer just doesn't want to say? I'm just curious. I'm not going to pick on you. You just don't know the answer? Jamad, do you know the answer? Lights. Light. Very good. Who knew that? Raise your hand. I'm actually curious. Let me see if you guys are just quiet or if you... All right. Now raise your hand next time. Don't be shy. Okay. Even if you felt it, it's okay to feel things. All right. The ruh, this other part of you, is made of light. Does the ruh stay sustained through a burger or through water or through entertainment? No, man, no. The man's like, maybe a burger. No, not a burger. Just like the body is made of dirt, it eats things that come from the dirt. The ruh is made of light. It stays alive by things made out of light. That's why, by the way, Allah says, the light that we brought down. What is the light that he brought down, by the way? Quran. Quran is made of light. To keep the body alive, you eat food. To keep the soul alive, you consume what? Quran. And this is the month where you've been stuffing yourself for 11 months. Stuffing yourself. Not just with food, by the way. Let's be very, very clear about this. It's okay. It's okay. Let's be very, very clear about this. Because what is consumption? It's not just food and drink. How, mu- how, mu- how many movies have you watched in the past 11 months? How, mu- how many video games? How many, ta- how many hours have you spent on video games? Do you dare to take out your phone right now and check out screen time? Do you dare? That's a scary thing. I, I recommend it, but be prepared to be depressed for a little bit. You understand? The consumption that we've been doing for the past 11 months has been fattening and stuffing the body. Meanwhile, what's been dying? The ruh. Dying. Begging for something to drink. Begging for something to eat. And you give it nothing. I give it nothing. Not just you, but myself as well. And this is like the one month where Allah is like, you starve the body. No intimacy. No food. No drink. Cut down the entertainment. At least cut it down. And now you stuff the what? You stuff the ruh. Shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. This is your food. Soul food, if you will. I have to. Kind of funny. Soul food, if you will. 
Consider all the things that you need this month. You understand? Everything needs to be considered. Look, he actually further describes Quran, which is really weird. This is really weird. You know why this is really weird? Because this is in Baqarah. This is, I think, 175, ayah 175, I think, of Baqarah. Baqarah got revealed like after 13 years. So this is at least 13 years after revelation started. Why is Allah describing Quran? It's a guidance for people, number one. Number two, it's clear evidences, clear miracles, clear proof. Abayyin is evidence, proof. You know how we talked about miracles of the Quran, by the way? Clear evidence that this is actually from Allah. Wal Furqan, we'll talk about Furqan. And it's also Furqan, we'll talk about what that means. But my, here's the question though. This, the, the, the target audience of Baqarah are Muslims, are believers. Why do you need to define Quran to believers? Because even believers forget. This is the month where you and I get reintroduced to this thing as if we never even met it before. You re-enlighten, reinvigorate your relationship with Quran. You don't fast for nothing. You fast to put your, a part of yourself to the side and put your ruh in the spotlight for once. At least for this month, dude. At least for this month. This is what we're doing. I want to talk to you about these three points. Hudan lin nas, guidance for mankind. You and I need guidance for so many things. Personal stuff and you know typical stuff that everyone needs guidance for. We need guidance for marriage. Marriage is hard to figure out by yourself. We need guidance to when, it, when it comes to our parents. Guidance when it comes to what, where can I work? What, what, do, what do I do if I, if I hit poverty, for example? What do you do in times of divorce? What do you do in times of catastrophe? What do you do when you're starving? There's even guidance, what do you do if you feel like you need to kill your kid? There's literally even guidance for the guidance for literally everything on a human level, all things that many people feel, many people have to deal with. And then there's guidance for you too, specifically, like a personal thing. There's things that only you know about you. It's literally only between you and Allah. Things not even your mother knows about you. And even that needs guidance and Quran even covers that much. But notice he didn't just say, hudan lil mu'minin, hudan lil nas. It's guidance for all mankind. It's as if to say this month of Ramadan, we're supposed to be sharing this book with literally all of humanity. Because it's not just for Muslims. This book was sent down for all of humanity to rectify itself, to correct itself, to purify itself. I really, you really got, you have to think about this. I like, when I was like 20, I started asking the question, what is the big deal about this book? What's the big deal? Because when you look back in history, this thing changed billions of lives. The way that billion, and I'm not talking about the, like the two, three billion that are alive today. I'm talking about back since it was originated over 1400 years ago. It changed over, over billions and billions and billions and billions of people's lives. The way people see empire changed completely. The way people see politics changed completely. The way people go to the bathroom down to the minutia of daily life changed completely. It changed completely. And people that weren't in the Muslim Ummah at the time will look at them and be like, dude, what did they figure out that we didn't figure out? What do they have that we don't have? Nowadays, this is not the case. Nowadays, we're lost. But back then, they would look at the Muslim Empire and be like, dude, what, what is up with these guys? 
I remind you when we conquered Persia and we had basically the, the largest landmass known to, known to humanity at the time, within a matter of literally 10 years, by the way, baffling. That's like, that's like Iceland or the Eskimos in the North Pole or whatever, taking over Russia in 10 years. What? What do you mean the Arabs conquered Persia? That was un- like, no one could have possibly guessed that within 20, 30 years. What are you talking about? And when they got there, they conquered Persia and the Muslims were literally under 5% of the population. Under five, they ruled it, but they were under 5%. The rest of it was pagan and Christian. A little bit of Jewish too, but mostly pagan. Awkward, yeah? Awkward. And within 200 years, all of them converted. Why? By the sword? By the sword? No. Because they went up to the leaders like, dude, who are you? What happened? What happened to you people? They came to it because we're going to talk about Ayat al-Nur soon. I am very intimidated by presenting that to you, actually. I'm very intimidated by it. But I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek. You know, like, Allahu Nur maybe you've heard of it before. Allah is comparing our hearts to a light bulb or a flame, actually. It's as if everyone's flame and their heart is just off. Something happened and it, it, it got distinguished. But when you have this in your heart, hudan lin nas in your heart, Quran in your heart, it's as if you turn something on, you relight that flame. So then when you go to work, when you go to Walmart, when you go to a pets, I don't know, go anywhere, school, people look at you like, dude, what's, why are you so calm all the time? Why are you so nice? He just yelled at you for like half an hour. How come you're smiling? Your, your parents just died. Why are you so happy today? When my dog died last week, I wanted to commit suicide. Why are you so different? That's not a joke. That's not a joke. That's an example. That's an actual example. Why are you so different? Hodan lin nas. We are supposed to, in this month, the main purpose, even before fasting, I'll make that very clear. Even before, fasting's number two. Number one, relight the torch in your heart through this book. The nur came down, grab it and put it in, put it in the ruh. That's where you put it in the chest. That's what we're supposed to do. And clear, obvious evidence from that same guidance, from the book itself. We talked about the journey of like, you know, understanding Quran as a miracle. We talked about structure and precision. You guys, I hope remember at least some of it. And I hope maybe you took something away from it. But even if you didn't, guess what? That's not my job. It's not totally my job. I can have maybe some of you come and listen to me blabber on for an hour and a half or so. I don't know how you guys do it for an hour and a half. I can really do it for an hour. You guys are sitting here probably like, when's this dude gonna shut up? But I came and talk about, talked about this stuff, but I even closed off that whole four sessions of Quran is a miracle with telling you, you need to accept that journey for yourself. Do you see this book as bayinat al huda? And I wanna make it very clear what I mean by this. Think about other miracles before the Prophet support Muhammad Call out some miracles that happened with other prophets. Call them out. Yeah, Musa threw the staff, became a snake. Cool, what's another one? Splitting the sea, that's another one. Asa they said I'm talking as a baby. That's kind of, look guys, if you see a baby talking, you're like, all right, this is probably from God. Like this is kind of hard to mince words here, yeah? When you see the sea splitting, hard to mince words here. You really have to think about the arrogance of the Pharaoh, but again, I want to talk about his psychology a lot. You gotta think of the arrogance of the Pharaoh to not only go himself, but lead his whole army. Like you would think maybe, ah, scratch your head, like maybe I have this wrong. You know what I mean? But no, in his arrogance, he went. What's another one that happened? Yeah, Ibrahim said, I'm like going in the fire and just chilling in it. Yeah, like not being burned by the fire. One more just to drive the point home. 
Hmm? Yeah, uh, Maryam salam not having a husband, not being intimate, and then having a kid. All of these miracles, what of the five senses do they hit? They're all visual. All of them visual. Meaning, if I saw the sea split, I'm fairly convinced, yeah? That's not, uh, I'm not, that's probably, you're probably a messenger. I'm gonna, I believe you now because you made the sea into two halves, so I'm probably gonna believe you now. But then you have a kid, the t- kid turns seven, eight years old, you're like, son, you'll never believe what I saw when I was your age. Whoa, the sea split, that, that's so cool. Did he himself see it? No. And then he tells his kid, and his kid's like, oh, wow. You're getting kind of old, aren't you? <laughs> you know what the difference between every other miracle Allah gave a messenger and this miracle that he gave us? This miracle is not for the eyes. What's it for? You hear it. And you know what's actually, can I actually, I'm going to add my own little thing to it. You think about it. In the age, this is my own opinion. In the age before the world really became super connected. This is like, if you think about human history, that time period was like right before the world got very, very interconnected. And Allah put a book that was to be shared audibly to everyone on every trade route. Like Indonesia is like the the most densely populated Muslim country in the world. You know how they converted? Trade. They saw people have good manners in their business. They're like, what's up with you guys? And they converted almost 100%. It's hard to find a Malaysian non-Muslim from trade. This thing is something to be shared audibly, to be thought about for the rest of humanity. And you know what's amazing about this? That means the first generation saw so many miracles in Quran, like this has to be. There's no, and I told you some stories about this. Remember, Remember that? People, when they heard it, it was so obvious. And then their kids, you don't have to convince them, just tell them. And they're like, whoa, dad, that's awesome. But you didn't even think about this actually. And then he told his, his kid, he's like, grandpa had a cool thing and you had a cool thing, but I actually found this too. Every generation adds to the miracle actually. It's as if Quran is like this big ocean and people tr- put on scuba diving outfit and they go down and they get pearls. This is why Quran is a miracle. Look how clear this is. But then if someone else puts on the same suit and goes down the same ocean, they come out with different pearls. Yeah, but look at these. Everybody that goes in this book will find something. It is that clear. But you have to, the, the, you know, one main, another main difference, I'll end with this and I'll move on from this. You know, the other main difference, the first difference was the old miracles were visual. This one is what? Audible. You hear it through the ears, you listen to it and you think about it, yeah? You don't have to think about the sea splitting. There's not much cognitive work there, yeah? You know what the second main difference is though? If I'm standing there and I see the sea split, I see the staff turn into a snake, I see a baby talk, I see, uh, what else? He said, I said, I'm blowing into a bird and it fly, blowing into clay and it flies like a bird. Ibrahim and I said, I'm cutting a bird into pieces and he calls it and it comes in all and the pieces join back into one body. Yeah? When they do all of those things, do I have to think? No, it's free. All miracles before this one were all free of charge. No work needed on your part. Just look at it. Just look up. That's all you got to do. Is this miracle free? This is very clear for Muslims don't know this. Is this miracle free? Absolutely not. There's a price tag on this one. 
You have to listen. You have to have the right attitude. You have to look. You have to think about it. And you have to share it. This is not free anymore. You have to listen and you have to think for yourself. Does that make sense? It's no longer free. It's audible, no longer free. This is the month for you and I to reconnect. Well, what does that mean that it's bayina, that it's bayin, that it's clear, that there's no mistaking this. You know that there, I'm sorry, I'm going on and on about this point, but I just love this point. You know that there are literally Christian scholars, Christian scholars, they're still Christian. I'm just, because it's going to be very confusing in a minute. They are still Christian. They're Christian scholars. They believe Jesus is God and son of God or whatever. Yeah, it's a terrible thing to believe, but they believe it. Blasphemous thing to believe but they believe Jesus is the son of God or the God himself or however they explain the Trinity to themselves and their people. Did you know that if you ask some Christian scholars, do you believe Muhammad was a messenger? So them, they'll say, yeah, of course he was. Did you know some of them have that attitude? Some Jews even, some rabbis, of course he was. They'll even use the language, if it walks like a talk, if it walks like a prophet and talks like a prophet, it's a prophet. Of course it's a prophet. There's no mistaking it. Just like Quran, by the way, tells us, they know him like they know their own sons. They know what a prophet looks like. This is a prophet. They know what revelation sounds like. This is revelation. But they don't believe. Find that out for yourself, not just for me. Do it for yourself. You don't need me. You really don't need anybody. Get it for your age of information, guys. Come on. Google it. Go on YouTube. People have talked about this and they put it online and no one watches it because people think it's free. If not, go look. Wal-Furqan, the third element that Allah tells us about Quran. This is a really cool word. Oh, I put it up there. The ultimate separator. You know what Furqan is? It's a very interesting word. Furqan, you ever, like when you were in first grade, I don't know first grade is like nowadays, but when I was in first grade, we did this experiment where you have a bunch of like weird trinkets in a bucket and you get a magnet, you know, when you learn about magnets. And you get a magnet and you go over and then some things stick and some things don't you ever do that in first grade or like when you were like early elementary school, that magnet kind of becomes a furqan. A furqan is something that makes things absolutely clear. What's right is clear. What's wrong is clear. Who's good is clear. Who's bad is clear. Can I give you an example of a modern day furqan, a mini furqan? You know, uh, when... And let me think, let me talk about this wisely because it was being recorded. When what happened on October 7th happened, remember that? There were a lot of people that a lot, a lot of Muslims thought were on our side that were clearly not on our side. And that became clear after the attack. For example, remember Jordan Peterson? There were still some Muslims holding on hope. This guy's going to be a Muslim. He's so good. He's so close. And what did he tweet? When Palestinians are getting bombed, what did he tweet? Give him hell. Furqan, I know exactly who you are now. No confusion. No one's still thinking, maybe there's hope. Nope, you're gone. Omar Suleiman, perfect response. Go to hell. Love it. Beautiful response. Biden, who we thought, some Muslims thought was a savior after Trump. Very clear now, yes? Genocide Joe's a new name. Furqan does that. Quran, though, is the Ultimate Furqan. Is it Al-Furqan? Yeah, Al-Furqan, the Furqan. This is the thing that if you let someone sit in it for a little bit, it'll be very clear with time who they are. Very clear. Very, very clear. Some people you think they're good and they're no good. Some people you think they're terrible and they're amazing. Just give them Quran and you'll find out. 
And by the way, don't think about that. Who, who should I give it to? What about you? If you spend time with it, how does it separate you out? That's the scary thing about Furqan. It will show you exactly who you are. And that's terrifying. That's more terrifying than who's my friend or enemy. Am I a friend or enemy? That's Furqan, okay? Now, getting to the, the part that we all know. فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ فَلْيَسُمْهُ This is the part that we know about Ramadan. So whoever among you witnesses the month, meaning Ramadan, he should fast it. And I'm going to uh, go on to this one. وَمَنْ كَانَ مَرِضًا أَوْ عَلَى صَفْرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ However, if anyone among you that's fast, that wants to fast, is sick or traveling, then he can make it up. And that's generally the rules of Ramadan. Yeah? If you are sick or you're traveling, you should not fast. I think there's an opinion you, should, you literally are not allowed to fast actually. And you'll make it up after Ramadan and you're good. It's as if you prayed or fasted a day of Ramadan. Does that make sense? You know what's cool about this before I go on to the last part of this verse, or the last part of this ayah, and then we're going to conclude, take a break, and I'm going to bring you back for our sales pitch. You know fasting, because think again, this is Bakara. This is like around 15 years after Quran started coming down. You know that? Meaning Ramadan was not a wajib thing, not an obligatory thing on Muslims, for the majority of the Prophet's life, the majority. Ramadan was kind of like actually a new thing. It was towards the end of his life. Ramadan came down as something you must do. Do you know what it was the year before? The year before this ayah came down where you have to fast Ramadan. The ayah before actually explains the Muslims before Ramadan became the month of fasting. They didn't have Ramadan as a month. There was no month of fasting. It was actually three days. A lot easier, yeah? Three days? I'll make it four. I don't care. <laughs> Three days. That's a lot easier. You know what else, by the way? If you didn't even want to fast. Because the rule, right now, what are the rules? If we're sick or we are traveling, only two excuses. They actually had three. If they were sick before, this is not, no longer the rule. If they were sick or they're traveling or they just miss it, you can feed a poor person instead. Meaning, I don't want to fast for three days. I'll just feed three people, which in our time is like 15 bucks a piece, about 40 bucks or so. Give someone Chipotle and you're good. Can we do that in Ramadan? Absolutely not. No one can do this anymore. Unless like people literally that cannot, like perpetually sick sometimes, whatever they do, there's different rulings and stuff like that. But for the general Muslim, are we allowed to just feed a poor person and we don't have to fast anymore? Absolutely not. You know what's weird about that? So that's two things that became harder from that year to the year, the first year of Ramadan. Number one, it became, it went from three days to how many days? A whole month, 30, yeah? And the second thing that became harder is, before you used to just feed a poor person and you're fine, can we do that anymore? No. So it's longer amount of day, a big, larger amount of days, and the excuses, the excuse list became shorter. You know what's weird about this? You read a lot, the, this is literally the same ayah. This is weird. Sometimes Quran surprises you. You have to think, when things get weird, think about it. يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ Whoops, wrong one. يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعَصْرَ Allah wants ease for you. He does not want hardship for you. That is a very weird thing to say when you made fasting a lot harder from one verse to the next. Isn't that a weird thing to say? You know why this is weird? Actually, this isn't even a correct translation. If it was Yuridullahu Lakum al Yusra, Wala Yuridu Lakum al Usra, 
then you can translate it as Allah wants ease for you. He doesn't want hardship for you. The li is for. B is not for. You know what B means here? Because of you. So actually, what is this saying? It's not up here. I'm sorry, being a little bit deceitful. Allah wants ease because of you. He does not want hardship because of you. Bikum. Bikum is in the ayah, not lakum. What in the world does that mean? Quran is supposed to transform us to the point where we are supposed to be a beacon of light for all of mankind. This, remember, remember um, uh, cosmic patterns, what I call ring structures? How does this connect to the first ayah, the first part? Hodan lin nas, yuridu bikum yusr. How is this going to be guidance for mankind? You're going to make it guidance for mankind. This book, this month, the Quran will transform all of you to the extent that humanity will have an easier life because of you. The way that you will transform, everyone will follow suit and everyone's lives will be easier. Is this the case nowadays? No. We focus a lot more on thought than we do on this. We have, we're failing. I want to call it out actually very clearly. The more I think about modern Islam, modern, not Islam, sorry, that's modern, that's the abstract, modern Muslims, modern Muslim nation, the Ummah, we are absolutely failing. Absolutely failing. Now, maybe there's reasons. Yeah, past hundred years, maybe. But if we were to be honest with ourselves as a nation, there's not a lot of good things to say. We're failing. We're the ones that are supposed to be the beacon of life for mankind. Have we achieved this before? Absolutely. Did you know that there's an ayah of Quran hanging in the law library of Harvard? Did you know that? There's like, was it seven or eight quotes? Seven quotes that they, that they selected from different bodies of work that they hung in the library of the legal school of Harvard, or the law school of Harvard. And Quran is one of them. Because they saw it as a, be- non-Muslims, saw it as a beacon of justice, the Quran. So there are people that look at the book and they're like, dude, what, how come I never heard about this? What is this? But then they look at Muslims and they see what? What is this? Yeah? It goes from what is this to what is this? You understand? This is what we're supposed to be doing this month. Quran, Quran, Quran. Fasting, yes, but Quran first. You understand? What I'm going to do, I'm going to give you guys a break for... I'll give you till 12.30, yeah, right? Am I reading this right? 12.30. And then I'm going to give you a sales pitch from the Quran. It's not me. me. I'm going to let Quran do the talking, but I'm going to give you a sales pitch and then we'll end it after that, inshallah. May Allah reward you guys. Have some food, have some coffee. We'll come back at 12.30. Yeah. All right, let's start again. A'udhu billahi shalom rahim rabbi shahli sadri wa yisili amri All right, so bismillah. I'm going to give you a bit of a sales pitch. Something to kind of drive the point home of like what Quran is to us, Yeah. You guys can say there if you want, it's all good. As long as you can see. Yeah, okay. Um, I want to share with you an ayah I learned years, years, years ago. I haven't talked about it much. I talked about it one time. And it is really, it's like something you can think about the rest of your life if you really just think about it. Yeah, remember I told you Quran's not free. So whoever wants, anyone of, among you that wants to think about it more, think about this more. I want to introduce the idea to you to drive the point home of what Quran means to your life, in your life in general. Does that make sense? There is, Quran talks about itself a lot, actually. That's one thing I'm really interested about in, in Quran is that it talks about itself a lot. 
it like calls out that it's true. It calls itself out that you should believe in this and the power of it and the magnificence of it and so on and so on and so forth. But there's one part that's extremely special of it talking about itself that I want to talk to you about. Before I introduce it to you, I want to give you, have you ever, uh, when you're reading Quran or maybe you have surahs memorized where, it, oh, I'm sorry, I'm trying, I have to stop moving for you, right? If you memorize some parts of Quran, you'll notice that Quran, Allah swears by stuff sometimes. You ever notice that? Like, Asr, I swear by time, I swear by time, humanity's in loss. Washams, yeah. Uh, he swears by stuff. I swear by this city, right? And I, soon, what I want to do is have actually a, a long conversation about oaths. Oaths are really cool in the book, really, really cool. We don't have time to do that today. I will tell you one thing about oaths in Quran, okay? The thing that Allah swears by is not just by mistake, it's not random. It's not a coincidence. The thing that Allah swears by connects directly to the thing he's swearing about. I'll say that one more time. I'll give you a quick example. The thing that Allah takes an oath by, like for example, well, I swear, I swear by time, is directly connected to the point he's trying to make, the thing he's swearing about. So for example, Allah says, What is he swearing by there? Time, I swear by time. And what's the point he's trying to make? Every individual human being is drowning in loss. How do you connect those two things? You can connect those two things in a lot of different ways. What's an easy way, just really quick to give it to you? Time is evidence that humanity's in loss. If you want any proof that humanity's in loss, look at the way they spend their time. Time should convince you. That humanity is in love. Does that make sense? So the thing he swears by and the point he's making are what? Connected. I want to share you one of my favorite oaths. I was hoping to do a whole day about this one, but I couldn't help myself. Allah says at the end of Waqiyah, I will call out really quick if I may. I'm being very annoyed with all these tangents. What? There are some surahs, like I don't know a lot of Quran to be totally honest with you. In fact, just a, a quick, uh, quick uh, secret between you and me. off of YouTube, except for, you have to delete that part. I'm joking. <laughs> YouTube's gonna be super confused. Isn't that wild? Can you believe he did that? They're gonna be super confused. Who's he? Okay. Um, what was the point I was trying to make? <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of Quran. I've been like trying to understand bits and pieces. What's making it special? Why is it a miracle? What has it done to humanity? What can it do for me? And I studied a good amount of surahs and I'm nowhere near done. Like right now I'm studying kahf. I'll be done by the end of the year. It's like a long, long conversation on kahf. I'll be done by inshallah by November. Yeah. So I'm trying my best to just a little bit a day, take a little bit for myself. You understand? I'm trying to build a habit of it so I can really call some things mine, some surahs mine, some ayat mine, put it in my heart as like a library and, and reference it whenever I need it. But waqiyah, you'll find that some surahs you need a good explanation about. Like tahrim, it's hard to understand tahrim without knowing what happened with the Prophet's wives, for example. May Allah be pleased with them. It's hard to understand 
like I don't know, um, uh, Surat Jin, maybe even without like some explanation of what's going on because the language there is so deep. But I will tell you, there are some surahs you really it needn't know explanation. Some surahs are so to the point and so powerful that like to this day I have not really listened to a tafsir of waqiyah and I don't need one. I get it. Waqiyah is powerful. Waqiyah will slap you across the face every time you listen to it. Haqqa is another example. My point is, not every surah is the same. Some of them just hit hard. Waqiyah hits hard. And towards the end of Waqiyah, Allah stops all conversations happening, completely changes the subject, and says, فَلَا nujum." No, and I swear by the placement of the stars, not the stars themselves, pay attention to this, not the stars themselves, but where they are placed. Again, scientifically we know, stars are where they are in their orbit, they're fixed. They are fixed where they are. You can rely on stars when you're traveling at night. Before I move on, especially to like the desert Arab, we talked about the Arabs a little bit. When they hear this oath, what is their mind thinking about now? The sky. Yeah, think about the sky at day or at night. At night, obviously, because that's when the stars come out. And they're thinking about traveling. Why do you think the Arab, or anyone back in the day even, back in the day before GPS and everything, why do you think that they would think about uh, traveling when they hear about the stars? And not, by the way, not just stars, the placement of the stars, right? Why do you think they would think about traveling at night, not just night itself, but traveling in it, when they hear about the stars? Why do you think that is? You don't have to raise your hand, go ahead. The stars are like guidance for them? Exactly. Before GPS, how did people get around when they want to travel from Mecca to Surya or Surya to Jerusalem or whatever? What did they use? The moon? No. The moon sets. Do they have like a compass? No. What did they use? They used the stars. Different constellations maybe point different ways. When you see the North Star, go left. That's how they would think about their directions. This is how they literally found, for lack of better words, guidance at night. When everything else was dark, the stars guide you. Not in some shirky way. I'm talking about like literally, this is your GPS system. So in his mind, he's thinking about traveling at night. I want you to think the same way. You're in the middle of the desert. You're in the middle of nowhere. You can see all around you. It's all pitch black. But what's giving you light? The stars. And what's telling you where to go? The stars. Let's imagine you have knowledge of it anyway. Yeah. And oh, before we, because I remember I told you that when he swears by stuff, he gives you a thing, like the point he's trying to make. This is the only time in Quran where before he gives you the point of the oath, he interrupts himself. And he says, And if you were to know, if only you knew how amazing this oath I just made was. Like forget the point, just think about the oath. As if the oath itself is enough for you to think about. He never does this with any other oath, Allah. He never does this before. Like, وَالْعَصِرْ وَإِنَّهُ لَقَسَمٌ لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عَظِيمٌ Never does it with anything else. When he swears by the stars, he interrupts. And, I ho- and if only you knew how big a deal this oath is. And what is the point of the oath? إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ Kareem, right? It is a noble Qur'an. It is a Qur'an full of nobility, full of grace, full of Kareem even means wisdom. Even generosity actually also too. It is a Qur'an of extreme nobility. Innahu. Inna, by the way, you only use inna when you're talking to someone that doesn't believe you. It's like you, there's some things in Arabic you have to like do, you can't just say them because it doesn't translate to English. It's like, and I swear to you, it's a noble Qur'an. Like he's banging his, 
Someone's banging their, their, their fist against the, tape, the, the desk. It's emphatic. Now, here's the riddle. As I love about oaths is that Allah is giving you kind of a riddle now. He's making you think. Again, it's, he's drawing your attention to a physical reality so that you learn a spiritual lesson. You understand? So now when you see stars, you're not thinking about stars. What are you thinking about now? Quran. You're no longer thinking about stars. Quran does, it, does this to you, by the way. Like I was, um, I like cooking some things and I'm cooking salmon and it's, it's getting hot, you know, like the skin, you know, salmon's like, it's very clear when it's starting to get, salmon's a very easy thing to cook. And the skin's getting like a little more crispy. And I'm like, dude, I got to call my uncle. Quran does that to you. He'll connect some things and you think of totally different things. Things that you need to do. Things you need to be considering. I'll explain later why I thought that. But anyway, what is the connection between stars and what? What are the two connections? Stars, the placement of the stars and what's the second thing? Quran. I swear by the placement of the stars, this is a noble Quran. What is the connection here? The more you think about this, the more amazing it gets. Just like the desert Arab when he's walking in the sand in the desert and he has no idea where, where he's going. And by the way, the stars, <clears throat> not only is it guidance, but it's giving off light as well, right? Like he can see clearly. If the stars weren't there, can he see clearly? He'll be completely pitch black, can't even see himself. If there's clouds in the sky, for example, pitch black. Nothing he can see. The thing giving him nur is what? The stars. The thing guiding him to exactly where he wants to go is what? The stars. Just like Quran, when everything in your life is completely dark, you have no idea where you're going or where you came from or what you're doing next. The thing that will illuminate you inside and out is Quran. The thing that you can rely on also, remember, nujum, the placement of the stars. You can rely, that star ain't going nowhere. The North Star is not going anywhere. That's staying right there. I can rely on the stars. That's why they picked the stars to navigate because it's not going to move. It's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there next year. You understand? The Quran will be here forever. This is the one thing, even if you can't rely on your own parents, you can rely on Quran. If you can't rely on your best friends, you can rely on Quran. If you can't rely on yourself, you can rely on Quran. Literally, you'll find moments like that in life. A lot of you are very young. You will find that though. You will find you don't know where to put your trust. I don't know who to trust anymore. You'll find moments, I've had many moments like that in my life. And Quran gave me like things that I literally never want to tell anybody, I swear to you. There were times I was completely abandoned by people that I thought I could trust. And Quran just gave me something. And I swear, I will never share it with anybody. Except I share it with my, my, with my wife, but no one else. I will never share it with anyone else. Because that's just between me and Allah. The way that these ayat help me, I will never tell anybody. That's my placement of the stars, yeah? This is the thing that even with everything abandoned you, this is, it's station, it stays. This will not move. Mawaqa is the, the hard-coded placement of the stars. Just like Quran's placement in this world, hard-coded, it will not leave. No one can get rid of it. You understand? You know what else is cool about this example? Have you ever actually seen a night like this, anyone? Has anyone actually seen it? I know it's probably a few of you. Raise your hand if you've actually seen a night like this. One, two, three, somewhat. Where do you have to go to see stars like this? You have to go in the middle of nowhere. 
why do you have to go in the middle of nowhere? This is an amazing point. I need you to think about this with me. And I swear to you, this is an important point, right? <laughs> why do you have to go in the middle of nowhere to see stars like this? You can't have light around you. Yeah, what's that? You can't have light around you. Right, if you're in Chicago, for example, if I go in the middle of Chicago and I look up, what am I gonna see? Nothing. If you look hard enough, you might see like one or two twinkling ones. You know what I mean? Like the really, really bright ones. But I won't see anything else. You know, this is called um, light pollution, actually. We call this light pollution. When there's a lot of light pollution, you can't see the stars. But one time I went in the middle of Michigan, we went on like this camping trip where like cell phones don't work because there's literally no tower for like 100 miles. You know what I mean? And you're in the middle of Michigan, you look up, you're like, dude, this exists every day? You know what I mean? You would think it's just like a Michigan thing or something, like middle of Wisconsin, middle of Texas. It's when you actually, I, I really recommend if you ever can, go on like a day trip to the middle of nowhere with someone, don't go by yourself, and just look at the stars because you have no idea what you're missing if you've never seen it. It's insane that this exists and we never see it. But you know, again, Allah is teaching us a spiritual lesson through a physical reality, I said, right? So let's bring this back to spirituality. We always have Quran. But just like sometimes you can't see the stars because of pollution, sometimes you will not be able to have a relationship with Quran because of your own pollution. You understand? What I mean by this is, if you, all, you pollute yourself, what does that mean with sins? You pollute yourself with entertainment. entertainment. Too much entertainment is a bad thing for you. You pollute yourself by overeating, overconsumption. When you have too, mu too much of a man-made element, food and consumption and all these different things, yeah, things that are not good for you, then even when you open up the book, it won't make sense to you. Just like if you're in the middle of Chicago, you look up and you can't really tell. I see an ayah there, I see an ayah there, but I don't really get it. It'll be the same thing on a spiritual level as well. If you don't unpollute a little bit, you won't be able to see the ayat. Does that make sense? You know, another cool thing when you think about this, you can go on. Me and Qais one time literally spent from like Fajr to Duha, just talking about how deep this goes. I guarantee you, you keep thinking about this, you'll keep finding more connections between the two. One other connection you'll find, when you do, do see stars like this, you look up and you think about things. What do you think some thoughts, what thoughts come up when you look at the stars? You look at like the galaxies of the universe. What thoughts do you think come up? Yeah, dude, I'm so small. This is so small. The earth is so meaningless. Just like you connect to Quran, you get humbled. Man, this dunya is so meaningless. Same conclusion, different reality, physical to spiritual, same conclusion, subhanAllah. You look at the stars and then you're like, whoa. And then you look for another minute longer and you're like, whoa, because another thought hit you. It's like, you're, like the more you look, the more you appreciate how amazing the thing that you're looking at is, you understand? Just like with Quran, the more that you look, the more you're like, dude, how did he do this? How can anyone claim this is from a man? Not you, a man. <laughs> you understand? Like, how can anyone claim this? Whoa. Like literally when I was preparing for you guys, the structure lectures back, um, alhamdulillah now a month or month and a half, or months ago now, yeah? I prepared the Ayat al-Kursi exam. Remember the Ayat al-Kursi example? Well, the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, oh my God, there's this too. Oh my God, there's this too and it wouldn't stop. I literally found one 30 minutes before I started the presentation and I couldn't edit. 
I don't run out of time. The more you look, the more you're like, whoa, you get it? There's more and more ways to unpack this. I highly recommend without me telling you, think about it. Think about that man traveling. Think about you traveling in the middle of the desert using only the stars and think about how that connects your relationship with the Quran. But my point is this, going back to that same example, let me just summarize now. If you are that person in the middle of the desert and you don't have the stars, what's gonna happen to you? Forget lost, you're dead. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're not gonna survive. You couldn't even tell if a snake was gonna bite you, could you? Because it's dark. You couldn't tell, maybe you pick a direction to walk straight in. But because it's dark, first of all, you don't even know you're walking straight. Number one, you ever try walking straight in the dark? It's silly. You start like this, you end up over here, and when someone turns the lights on, you're like, oh my, what the? I meant to go that way. You know what I mean? But not only that, even if you were to walk perfectly straight, do you know where you're going really? No. Even if you settled on this is where I'm going to go, and you actually stuck to it somehow in the dark, do you know where you're going? No. Allah even asked, where are you going? Where, are you, where do you think you're going? I see you wandering aimlessly. Without this book, spiritually, we will, literally, without mincing words, I like to be direct, without this book, we're dead. Even as Muslims, without this book, we're dead. Ramadan is the month where we get to not just reinvigorate our relationship with the Quran, we reinvigorate and, and, and keep ourselves, we bring ourselves back to life, man. Bring ourselves back to life. Now, I wanna, uh, that was my sales pitch. What I wanna do is give you some things I really think you need to consider for Ramadan. This, the rest of this is just gonna be, let's, what do we do during Ramadan now? You know, does that make sense? I wanna first tell you a couple things I wanna not tell you not to do, but here's how I'll explain this. Because sometimes people put ideas in your head and tell you what this means. Like, here's what it means to have a relationship with Quran. You know what I mean? Here's what to do, read the whole Quran, as many times as possible during Ramadan. Dude, that's stressful. I don't wanna do that. I don't do that, by the way. Because you know what that turns into? At least for me, if that works for you, alhamdulillah, great, do it. But you know, for me, like, you know what it turns into? I have to read this many pages a day. Dude, I'm behind today. I'm two days behind. Oh, I'm gonna be late. I'm not gonna finish it by the end of the month. Ah, forget it. That's what it turns into for me. Do not let anyone tell you for you what it means to have a relationship with the book. Our masjid, in full respect for this, we will put a lot of effort, not just our masjid, every masjid in America, nearly, will put a lot of effort into finishing the Quran during Tarawih, right? And they'll read fast. I don't know what I mean, that, like you even see masjids that go up and down really quickly because the goal is what? Just finish it. Forget connecting to it, just finish it. I personally don't think that that's a good approach. That doesn't work for me at least. If you understand the book perfectly, great, yeah, then listen, fine, sure. But that's not where a lot of us, that's not where I am. I'm sure that's not where a lot of you are either. I'm sure that I'm not alone here. So what does it mean to have a relationship with the book? Number one, I mean, think about, again, relationship, think about a friend that you have, yeah? You know when like you first meet someone, it's kind of awkward, you're not really that close. You don't even know if you like him. He smells kind of funny, whatever, right? You know what I mean? I don't, know if I don't even have his number yet. I actually forgot his name. I don't know where he's from. And then you hang out more and you hang out more and you hang out more and you end up loving the guy. You know what I mean? Like now you're inseparable. You know everything about him. He knows everything about you. Things he hasn't told his mother, he tells you. Things you haven't told your father, you tell him. You know what I mean? That's what a relationship is. Remember I told you Quran is not free? That's because Quran, the way you think of Quran is the way you think of a close friend. If you don't call the friend up, 
you're now no longer connected. How could you expect that secrets, his secrets, to tell you what's wrong, to tell you something about him, to give you like to borrow $5, to get stuff from him even, if you haven't called him in three years, dude. What about you with Quran? You think it's just gonna open itself up for you whenever you open it up after five years of not opening it? No, you have to be consistent. And that's the first thing. This is not just Ramadan. You have to, this is things I need you to do every day. I do these every day and I'm working on it. I'm not done yet. I'm working on it. The point of Quran is not that you do some grand thing once in a while. You go to a lecture once in a while. You re- memorize a surah once in a while or listen to a whole tafsir once in a while. No, the point of Quran, when it really starts to impact you is when you do a little bit, a literally, and I mean it, a little bit every day, a little bit every day. The first thing we need to do, you spend a little time every day. And I really mean it, a little time. Literally just read a page or listen to a minute. I I mean, whatever you can do. I'm fully aware that everyone here is on different levels. For some people, when they hear do a little every day, they're like, oh, listen to a lecture every day. Great, good for you, man. Maybe a little every day is learn ought to be a little every day. Awesome, alhamdulillah, that's awesome for you. But maybe for some of us, we don't even read the thing. Like, and I'm talking about English, I'm not even talking about ought to be. Forget like knowing how to read Arabic. I'm not even talking about that. Like to put that to the wayside, even just reading a translation, like you haven't done, we haven't done. Do a little bit, half a page, a page, a quarter, whatever you can do, just do it. And it'll build by the way. And by the way, it'll, it won't build because you'll be like, oh, next month it'll be half a page and next month there'll be a full page. No, it'll grow literally because you want it to. I assure you, it will grow because you're like, dude, I just want more. I only had half a page today, dude, I'm hungry. You know, my soul's hungry. Do a little every page and not just do a little every, uh, a little every page. Safrallah, I'm hungry. I didn't have any majinat. A little bit every day and the heart needs to be in a specific place, guys. You have to come to the Quran with an attitude of like, Ya Allah, I'm lost. I'm that dude lost in the desert. I need you. I got nothing. It's dark out here. I'm sad today. I need your guidance. Without your guidance, I'm lost. Ya Allah, just guide, whatever it is, just guide me. Let, let this, my heart soak in these words. So a little bit of time every day and be sincere that you want guidance. That's the attitude that you have, yeah? The one thing I will call out, if you literally, this is depending on where you are, even if you're like you're advanced, you listen to tafsir, all that kind of stuff, you still need to have some sort of connection directly every single day, yeah? If you don't have an app, download an app and listen to it. You have no idea the impact, even if you don't understand what's happening, just listening every day while you're driving, while you're working out, yeah? Do it in, a, in a, like whatever thing that happens in your day, like where you're driving, you're walking, you're working out, where you can actually just listen, even if you don't know what's happening. Let it hit your ears, man. Let it hit your ears. Just listen to it. And if you don't want to do that, fine. Read some of the English a little bit before you go to sleep. What I have for you today, actually, the message is really cool. That This is a cool part of being part of a community, yeah, is that you have resources and people that can guide you where to go. This is, if you don't already have it, is one of the most clear English translations on the market. It's a beautiful one. Come and take one, no questions asked. If you already have one, don't take it, yeah? If you already have one, don't take it, be honest. But if you don't have one, be shameless, run up and take one. Come and take one now, be shameless. You should be hungry for this. Come and take one now and take notes. You read something like, I wonder what this means. I'm gonna ask Sheikh that later. What does that mean? What is that word? I wonder what's actually being said here. You understand? What's the history behind this? 
Take it, have it for yourself. Let it be your friend, dude. Carry it wherever you go. Write your name in it. Like, this is my book. This, no one touches this. I was gifted a book a lot, like an actual, not a translation, actual Quran a while ago from a t- an old teacher of mine. I will not, I will literally not ever use another book. My mom's not here, right? My mom even gifted a book. I don't use that. I use this book <laughs> from an old teacher of mine. Yeah, like this is mine. It's old, it's wrinkled. But that's a good sign because I'm using it. You understand? This is my friend. This is mine. No one touches this but me. My wife doesn't use this book. You know, I'll use the book. You understand? Okay. Um, and if you're ready for this, if you're ready for this, not everyone's at this level, yes? If you don't even read, don't jump to this. Just start reading. Start li- forget reading. Start listening. Listening is easy. Don't even read. Just listen a little bit. Really, it depends on where you are. Maybe you're not, your relationship with Quran is so weak, like you don't want to do tarawiyah. You know what, dude? Fine, stay at home and read. Start, because this is the month of this book. Whatever you, wherever you are in this journey, do whatever you can to get closer to it. If that's reading, listening, but those of you that want a little bit more and can handle a little bit more, what I highly recommend, and I'm going to give you a resource, an actual resource for this at the end of the, if, so if you're not in the group, get on the group, yeah? I'm going to give you an actual resource as soon as I'm done talking, inshallah. Understand what you're saying what you're reciting. And if you can even do this, memorize it too. I will tell you guys, again, what I talked about in the beginning, if you've ever stood in Salah and someone by you is crying and you're like, what are you crying about? You have not really tasted Quran until you've understood it, stood in front of Allah with an open heart and recited it or heard someone recite something you know, dude, it hits so different. It's so sad to me that like only 2% of American Muslims have this experience. It's so sad. I have it a little bit. I have a little bit. I'm telling you it's life-changing. It's a different world. It's a different world. And I'm not saying learn Arabic. I'm not saying go learn Fusha, whatever. I'm saying pick a surah you already know and go learn about it. Not just like the translation. Someone online probably has a lecture about it. Go, go, go Google it. Go YouTube it. It's probably there. Learn about what you're reciting. And I'm actually going to give you a challenge. So pick any surah, find online, listen to it. Keep it in your heart, use it in Salah. I want to give you one last thing. I'm going to challenge, whoever does this is a baller. I'm going to challenge you guys right now. Who memorized some surahs from like the end, like Juzamma? Like maybe Falaq al-Nas or Ikhlas? Raise your hand. If you memorize some of these surahs. Okay. Maybe you remember a little bit more like Naba or Naziat, whatever. These surahs at the end of the book, the last part, the last Juz is called Juzamma. You don't have to know that, but it's called Juzamma. Juzamma is full of super small bite-sized surahs that are like really easy to memorize, yeah? And what I'm gonna send you in the group, if whoever takes this challenge up, I'll be very proud of you, Allah. But it's basically like every surah gets like an hour and a half of what it's saying. And it is beautiful. And I challenge you with this because if you, for example, like learn about surah Naba, it starts at surah Naba. Surah, I think like number like 96 or something like that. I forgot the number. No, probably like 85 or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It starts with Naba. You memorize Naba. And as you go, as you learn, like, and you learn about each ayah, you memorize it. I'm telling you that will be different than just reading a translation. That will be very, very different. Just listen to the guy talk. Memorize the surah bit by bit, very slowly. Literally, you know what I, Like my wife and I used to do? We used to say, we're going to do a 30-minute tafsir lecture and we're literally not allowing ourselves any more than 30 minutes. It's haram on us. No more than 30 minutes. And it didn't have to be 30 minutes. At first, it was like 15. Just do like 10 minutes. Do like half of one of these lectures. 
and challenge yourself, but do a little bit every day. I'm going to send you that link. You download the MP3, you go on the website and listen to it, whatever, whatever floats your boat, put it on your phone, put it on the website, like using Google Chrome or whatever, and listen to a little bit every day. I guarantee you that will be a big difference. I make dua really quick that Allah gives us uh, Ramadan full of barakah, that Allah makes this Ramadan, the Ramadan that we uh, reinvigorate our relationship with the Quran, that the Quran becomes our best friend and that we become a people of, a, of the Quran and the Ummah of the Quran. May Allah accept, may Allah reward you guys. Uh, from now on, we are doing a passage or a surah at a time. And I challenge you guys, memorize the surah ahead of time and we'll talk about it.